0: you want to turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, and let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Samballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hands. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they are all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God, within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, Should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a hand. Uh, so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was finished on the twenty-fifth day of the month of Elul in fifty-two days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah the son of Era, and his son Jeho- Jehohanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, uh, Meshulam the son of berechiah as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence. And reported my words to him, and Tobias sent letters to make me afraid. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the power of the reading of your word. Thank you for your um, ability to prick our hearts. I pray that it would um, clear our minds, that your word would speak to our hearts this morning. I thank you for um, the testimony of Nehemiah here and how he was able to discern what was from you and what was not and to live in the confidence and boldness of faith. Uh, thank you for that testimony that, I did, that is in my life and the lives of um, all believers. I pray that you would be with Brad this morning as he stands before us to teach your word. I pray that you would give him clarity of thought and clarity of word and that you would clear our minds and help us to focus and be attentive to what it is that you have to communicate to us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.
1: This morning as we begin our new year together... ...as we walk through the book of Nehemiah... ...and we study about not rebuilding walls... ...but rebuilding a people... ...because that is what is happening in the book of Nehemiah. We need to understand that one of the weapons... ...maybe one of the most powerful weapons... ...that the enemy has against us... ...is the weapon of discouragement. He wishes to discourage us. Because the church of Jesus Christ is invincible... She has survived persecution. She has survived martyrdom of her people, imprisonment, theft of property. Every single, and we have survived being poor and we've survived being rich. There is nothing on earth that can stop the church of Jesus Christ. She has even survived her own attempts to accidentally sabotage herself. The enemy knows that the church cannot fail in her mission and that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So if we cannot fail, when we strive against the world, then one of the tools they would like to have or one of the things that should happen if you are the enemy is just to make us quit, to make us stop the work. That is what Sanballat and Tobiah were attempting to do to Nehemiah, and that is what Satan is trying to do to us today. And one of the tools that Satan, the enemy, uses to stop us is discouragement. And it is a powerful tool because it preys upon our doubt, lack of faith, and our worry that God will not be with us. And it keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. I want you to understand this morning from Nehemiah chapter 6 that the enemy is more interested in stopping the work than he is in stopping you. Sambala and Tobiah didn't so much care about Nehemiah, they cared about the entire welfare of the people of Jerusalem. They had been traditional enemies. They did not want the wall rebuilt. They did not want Judah to become a power in the area again. So while they did despise Nehemiah, what they were really targeting was the work itself. They did not want Judah to be rebuilt. And Sanballat and the rest, Tobiah, had seen that mocking Nehemiah and the Israelites had not stopped the building of the wall. So they try a different Tactic, And they act like they want to be friends and have counsel. They send Nehemiah four letters. Hey, come talk to us in the valley of Ono. Which, as I was reading this, I kept thinking over again, Oh no, don't go down (laughs) and meet Tobiah and Sanballat. If the enemy cannot stop your work, then he may saddle up next to you and pretend to be your friend. And when he pretends to be your friend and gains confidence with you, then he will steer us away from the work which we are called to do. He can find opportunity to harm us more personally if he appears to us as a friend. And there is no enemy more dangerous than one who pretends to be our friend outwardly while on the inside seeks to devour and stop the work of Christ. The enemy will take advantage of us in this because of our willingness to forgive, as Christ taught us. He will take advantage of our desire for peace because we are taught to be peacemakers. So Sambal and Tobias may be acting like to Nehemiah. They're offering an olive branch. Just come talk to us. and Maybe we can work this little misunderstanding out when there was no misunderstanding at all. He will take advantage of our desire to please people which is not always a thing from the Lord, our desire for people not to be angry with us, so we would go meet with Sanballat and Tobiah just because we can't stand the thought of someone being upset with us. But the entire time, these two men and their allies, their intent was not to talk, but to destroy and stop the work any way they could and to compromise it. This is exactly what the enemy has been doing since the beginning. After all... In the Garden of Eden, the very first sin, when we fell, did not the enemy come and act like a friend? Has God really said to you? Has he said that if you eat from this tree, you will surely die? You won't die. You'll become like God. He acted like a counselor. He acted like he cared. He wanted to pretend like God's will for them was not best, that he was being stingy and withholding from them blessing. Acted like their friend. But the entire time, all he was trying to do was to destroy the work of God, discredit God, and to ruin the testimony and the lives of Adam and Eve. He only wished them harm, even though he acted like a friend. Someone who opposes, not you, but what the Lord has told us to do, is an enemy... Of the faith, not an enemy in the sense that we battle against flesh and blood, but the ideas and the traps that they bring are from the enemy. I didn't say against you because we can sometimes be wrong, but the word of the Lord is never wrong. And so when someone goes against the word of the Lord, they have become an enemy of the Lord's plan. And unless they repent and get on board with God's plan, I'm not saying our plan, I'm saying God's plan, then they will remain an enemy. Of the faith, and Paul, when he spoke of those who are enemies of the cross of Christ, he said, "I say this even now with tears. We do not rejoice; we do not despise in someone's uh, attempts to undermine the work of the gospel and the kingdom. We grieve it. It is our sincere desire and hope that they will repent and follow the word of the Lord." Tobias and Sanballat and Geshem, the Arab, had not repented. In fact, they were. The entire time bent on stopping Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was smart enough to know that he did not owe them any time, any counsel, and he should not stop the word of the Lord work of the Lord to go down and speak to them. Why should he? What did he owe them? His commission did not come from Sanballat and Tobias, it came from the king himself. And it's ridiculous for them to say he came there to rebel against the king when it was the king himself who had given him letters and given him permission and indeed the authority to go and rebuild Jerusalem. Why should he care what Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem think? But the enemy will try to discourage you. When he cannot stop you outright, then he will try to pretend like he's your friend and that he's all along just trying to help you. The enemy is more interested in stopping the work than stopping you. He will use anything at his disposal to stop us. And then, Ballant and Tobiah use, as you will see... I mean, this book's pretty old. One of the oldest and continuing attempts... to intimidate the people of God and to discourage them... the discouragement of the open letter. It is very common today... for the open letter of discouragement... to be wielded by the enemy to destroy us. It is a horrible tool... It is used all the time, and by the time I'm finished with this sermon, perhaps you will despise it as much as the Lord. It is a letter of concern. We are concerned. We have heard that you are rebelling against the king. And we have heard that you want to make yourself king over the people of Israel. And we have heard that you have put forth prophets to declare you as the king. Of course, none of these things are true. But the reason that the letter was delivered to Nehemiah, as an open letter, it, it means here that anybody saw it could read it, and it was the intention of Samuel and Tobias to spread these rumors. People would read this, believe it, and cause trouble for Nehemiah. And what I want you to look at is, is how he says, it is reported according to these reports. These rumors will be heard by the king. Who's, who's doing these reports? Who are they? Who are the people reporting these things? They're never mentioned, of course, because they don't exist. Or they're few and anonymous. This is the sort of outrageous thing that the Satan, the enemy, will do for us today. Where are these reports coming from? And yet people heed these, these they to their harm. He does it to break our will and the will of our children saying, they. If someone comes to you, it happens to pastors, it happens to people at work, it happens everywhere. Someone comes to you and says, people said, I have heard, some people are saying, you have every right in the world to say, who are these people who said? Who told you that? If they refuse to tell you who told you that, then take no heed of their words. Reply to them and say, if someone has a problem with what we're doing or what we're saying, they have an open door to come speak to me themselves. There is no reason for you to be running rumors for other people. If they do not have the courage and conviction to tell us themselves, then why should I heed their words? Because there may not be any other people. Because what people do anonymously, what cowards do, is they act like what they want is said by someone else so that they won't have to say, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that this is what people are saying. What people? Nehemiah calls them out and says, these are things you've invented in your own imagination. There are no reports. You're making this up. Because there was no intention and Nehemiah knew the truth. It was fabrications and slander. The enemy does this today, all the time, constantly. And I would be willing to bet that 90% of you have been affected by it in the last two days. In anonymous trolls, I call them trolls because that's what everybody else calls them, on the internet, they're shaping the way people think. They're shaping the way people think about themselves, about this country, about elections, about politics, about religion, about everything else. It's very dangerous. Some of them are not even people. you know that? A lot of the comments which you're reading on Twitter are not generated by people. They are programs that are programmed to respond to key words and to keep regurgitating the same stuff over and over again. They're propaganda. It's not even real. But you read it, and it's got a picture there, and you think it must be a real person. And these programs are programming you, programming me, programming our children, for the agendas of those who program them. Just like Tobias and Sam Ballard. And it truly is shaping our world. 100% no doubt about it. Social media is shaping the world, and people are taking advantage of it to upset you, to make you think certain things are true that are not. Not everything on the Internet is bad. You have to be discerning, but a lot of people are just yelling. And What effect does this have? Did you know? Listen to this. In 2017, there were 47% more deaths by suicide amongst people aged 15 to 19. Then in the year 2000, in 17 years, suicide amongst people between the ages of 15 and 19 went up 47%. That is amazing. Between the ages of 15 and 24, suicide is the second leading cause of death in the United States. And what is the explanation for this uptick in suicides? Hate that children receive online from other children in school talking about them. Are reading things anonymously. People telling them, Anonymously, kill yourself. You're stupid. You're no good. This happens online. This is this is the same sort of and so somebody posts on a child's page, a young person's page about how worthless and sorry they are, as an open letter so that everybody else reads it and they begin to believe it, and they're taking their lives. This is how serious this is. It is the exact same tactic that they were using in the days of Nehemiah to get what they want to stop someone that they're jealous of and make them cease. To be. The enemy has planted many Tobiases and sandballs in our lives to discourage our work to make us feel as if we are far from God. So much so that people would take their own lives in record numbers because of what people say in open letters. This affects... Young people whose identities are still being shaped, still learning who they are, it's perfectly normal. It takes a long time to figure out who you are. A lot of us are old, still figuring it out. Especially vulnerable in those years. It is a cottage industry in our country to discourage people and harass them. On social media and on television. And to offend the image of God in which they are made. It happens every day by the thousands. Their self worth being changed by pictures which they see, lies that are programmed by someone wishing to change an agenda. These are the reports there are. people are saying, some have said, this is what's happening. People acting as if they're experts when they know little more than a Google search would tell anyone. And why do these people bear such news? Why do people come and tell you, some people are saying, they've, I've heard, it's because almost every time they agree with what the person said, but they're acting as if they're a neutral party. Because if they agreed with the mission of the church, or with you, they would have shut it down when the person started whispering these things and said, that's not true. That's not true. If someone came around saying that one of uh, my friends was planning to become king and had rebelled against him and that the reason he was rebuilding the wall was because he was going to proclaim himself king in Jerusalem, I would have no problem saying that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. That is not what they are doing. And they would not have to come to you and say, some people are saying, beware. Beware of tailbearers. That's what they're called in the King James Version. Gossips. tellbearers. So the enemy will try to stop the work. And how he will try to stop you is to make you quit. Make you quit through taking yourself out because you're discouraged. You think that things are not going well and everyone's against you anyway. Isn't this the discouragement that Elijah felt? Lord, they've killed all your prophets and I alone am left and it's better that I die. The Lord said... (laughs) All the prophets are dead. I've reserved for myself 5,000 people. I haven't bowed or kissed Baal. Get up and do what I've told you to do. It's how we get in our own minds, and it's magnified by false reports. That was the strategy of Tobias and Sanballat, and they learned it from their master, the enemy. Not only does the discouragement come from people outside, like Tobias and Sanballat, what we see here so clearly in Nehemiah chapter 6 is that the discouragement comes from within. It didn't just come from outside, it came from inside Jerusalem. The reach of these troublemakers were long. They hired one of the prophets of God to frighten Nehemiah. Come in and said, hey, Nehemiah, I have a word from the Lord. They're coming to kill you tonight, so let's go inside the temple and lock ourselves in and we'll be safe." What he was telling Nehemiah to do was go into the most holy place and lock himself in, a place that was forbidden for him to go. That only the Levites, and even among the Levites, only Aaron could go once a year in there. He said, let's go in there, lock ourselves in and we'll be safe." Nehemiah was like, I'll die before I go in there. I'm not allowed to go in there. Should a man like me do such a cowardly thing? He was trying only to discredit him. So when he went in there, nobody came and could say, look at Nehemiah, he's such a chicken. He went into the holy place, which is forbidden, and locked himself in there because he was scared somebody was going to get him. Hired somebody within Jerusalem, a prophet of the Lord, to give him this report. And not only that... Nehemiah says that many of the nobles were receiving letters from Tobias... ...and they were sending letters to Tobias... ...and in my presence they were talking about all the great things that Tobias had done. Singing his praises. Married to his kin. bound to him by oath. The entire time that Nehemiah is trying to work with these men to rebuild the people of God... ...they are consorting with the enemy. In their quest for peace... They undermined the hope for peace. In their quest for appeasement, they made themselves vulnerable. So Nehemiah had to deal with threats and lies and slander from outside the people of God. He also had to deal with it from inside the house of God. It came from everywhere. This is very dark. This is the truth. The enemy will use any means necessary to discourage you and stop you from the work. He will do this to our church. He will do this to you as individuals. He will do this to the churches in our town. He will try to stop the work any way he can. Nehemiah resisted. He prayed again. The example of Nehemiah is one of prayer. Every time these hard things come, he goes to the Lord and says, Lord, remember me for what I have done for your people. Remember them for what they've tried to do against the work. Be with me as we do this great work, which you've called us to do. So how do we deal with so much discouragement? How do we deal with people from the inside and outside pulling us apart and pulling us away from the work of Christ? Which is to bring the glorious good news about the resurrected, crucified Savior whose joy it is to forgive people their trespasses? How do we stay on track when there's so much discouragement and noise? What we have to do is Nehemiah knew. Well, we have to remember that our commission comes not from men, but from God. We are given a message from the Lord himself, and we are given a word from the Lord himself, not a word that springs from someone's imagination who thinks God is talking to them, but from the Bible itself. The Lord tells us what to do, and the Lord commissions us to give the gospel, and the Lord tells us what the gospel is. That the Son of God, the Almighty, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, has descended and been born of the Virgin Mary, which we just celebrated that God became flesh and dwelt among us, and that we have beheld Him as one beholds the only begotten Son of God. This is the gospel, that God has come to dwell with us. He has tabernacled with us. John says He has pitched His tent with us. He is enfleshed. He does not wear our flesh. He has become a human being, and yet God. And He came to die for sinners like you and I. And he did die and was crucified for sins. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. That Whoever believes in him will never perish, but have eternal life. And before he left, he told us, go tell everybody what's happened. That if they should repent and believe in the only begotten Son of God, they will not perish, but have eternal life. We got to remember that. That's our job. And that we are to live, if we love him, he said, we will keep his commands. Not my commands, his commands. What has he commanded us? There's a lot. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be kind to one another. Honor one another. Esteem one another. Give a cup of cold water in the name of Christ. Look out for the poor and needy. Take care of the widow and orphan in their distress. These are the things we're supposed to be about. So we remember our Lord is our commissioner and our king. And we remember that we belong to him. And that no one else, not the devil, no one has claim on our lives as our Lord does. It is not about my agenda or yours. It's about His. We are not our own. We are bought with the process. That doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to one another because we do have the Spirit of God and sometimes we need correction. I'm not talking about our plans. I'm talking about the Lord's plans. We remember whose we are. We belong to Him. and Him alone. To Him alone we give an account in the great day of judgment. We remember whose we are. We remember the mission which we are given. We remember... Not only whose we are, but who we are. Sinners saved by grace. We remember that we are sinners, so we will not become proud and lord over those who sin also. And we remember that we are saved by grace, so we remember that there is no sinner so great that the Lord will not save them. We remember we are sinners so that we will not become proud. And we will remember that God is gracious, so we will not feel worthless. He is good. This is what we remember. And that is how we drown the cacophony of voices that are trying to distract. You are blessed and beloved. Christ loves you. Do good. Love justice and mercy. And walk humbly with your God. Be his people. Be the city on the hill which cannot be hidden. Do not put your light under the bushel so it might be hidden from men. But rather, let your light shine. This is what we are called to. Do not descend to speak with Tobias and Sanballat. For they are only planning your harm and destruction. They have no desire to give you good counsel. Do not be discouraged. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither be afraid. For the Lord has gone to prepare a place for us. If he has prepared a place for us, he will come back again. That where he is, there we may be also. This is the beauty of the gospel. And the world is trying to kill you. But it cannot overcome. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. This morning you may be discouraged because of things which I have spoken. These things may be true in your life. You have sinned. You have done things and are discouraged by your own behavior. Things that have happened outside your control have discouraged you. When you have tried to do what is right, you feel like you've been kicked to the curb. You know the pain discouragement you know the feeling of being alone and abandoned but you are not you are not alone and abandoned for the Lord has sworn I will be with you always even to the end of the age chapter 6 ends with the wall was completed 52 days They did it. If this book were about building walls, we would be done in chapter 6. This book is not about building walls. And that's why it's not over in chapter 6. It is about building people. This morning, if you don't know Christ, you will find no greater comfort and no greater peace than giving your heart to him. It is the only place where your heart will be safe. It is the only place where we will truly be cared for. He is the great treasure. The Lord God of heaven has loved you so much he has given you his only son. Believe in him and live. Forsake the world and find your life. That is our hope for this new year, for this decade to come. It's in Christ and Him alone. Things are dark and they might get worse. But the light of Christ is sh- shines bright in the dark. Let's pray.